0: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
1: It is Friday evening. It is time to uh, launch what we like to call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. That requires a conversator or conversationalist or whatever word you wish to use. Um, Today, I'm really, uh, we've had him on before, but last time, I mean, last time he was on, he was, He was a mere pawn. He was a mere peon. He was a passing, really unimportant piece of the whole puzzle. But now, as the co-host, the co-anchor, the co-lord and master of all creation at CHCH Morning Live, Tim Bolin matters. He comes with heft now. So, Tim, we welcome you back as a man of import and real, you know, value now.
0: You forgot something on the resume, Scott. What's that? President of the Celine Dion fan
1: club. <laughs> the English, the Anglophone side of the Celine Dion fan club. So I, I didn't tune in this morning. Were you off this morning because you were down in New York walking on the streets yes, out front?
0: exactly. Yes, to dedicate my life to making sure that she's on a list. Um, <laughs> the best figures that rolling stone put out we that's something that we did talk about it is ridiculous but oh the dedication that people have is is something once upon Uh, a time
1: there was occupy wall street because people were upset with the economy now it's occupy rolling stone because my life didn't go on or whatever that song is didn't make it onto a list who knew
0: how are you? I would nothing, I would rather do nothing else on my Friday night than just hang out with you on the radio.:
1: Well, that's, uh, that's very kind of you saying it. And I mean, I was going to say now that you're up early, you've always been up early. I mean you've been doing yeah. this for how many years have you been doing the show now? So I've been on the
0: show for it will be 12 years in September, so over 11 years.
1: Yeah, good for you. And now, as I say, and and I, I was joking, obviously, with the intro. But now, as as co-anchor, you know, getting a getting a bump up, which is terrific. And uh, you know, you're doing a great job, and we're we're thrilled you're able to, to take a few minutes, even though, you know, you have been up for a long time. <laughs> it is probably Here, bedtime.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. It's it's so much because it, the hours even are earlier. Like they, it's always been early, but like fill it in for for taking Bob's role with Annette. It's even earlier. Like, we have to be at work at 3.30 to get the show oh. ready to go and oh. on the air for 6, uh, which, is, which is crazy talk. And when I, when I do tell people that, they just, like, look sideways at you, like, you just have three heads. But, like, it's, I would say so, you do kind of get used to it because it's not shift work. Like, it's just, like, you always have that same schedule. And so we're done earlier. And it's kind of it's even better for my schedule just having three young kids because now I get a nap in the afternoon. Because I never got a nap before. I was never a nap guy in the afternoon, but now that I've been doing it for a couple of months, like this this nap is so
1: key. No kidding. <laughs> so you my, know, as kids, as kids, we used to fight the nap. Right? The nap was. I don't want a nap. I don't. Want, and now, like, I don't know what the age is when that turns, but suddenly the nap is the greatest thing of all time.
0: Yes, and and it's it, but it's. You, you can't nap for too long because then you're groggy. You've yep. got to try and find that equal, like, not too short, not too long, that just right, um, that Goldilocks kind of uh, place. And, uh, yeah, so I've had a nap, so I'm ready to go. Let's let's
1: go. I can assure you there are people who have listened to this show over the years if they're regulars and they've been able to tell the days when I overdid my nap and I came in here with the with the Did fog face. The oh man, Th- those are those are tough days when you have I'll just going to lie down for 20 minutes before I go in just to you refresh and suddenly you realize, you know, it's an hour and 10 minutes and uh, you you literally feel like you're walking through a wall of fog. But, um yeah, it takes but a little bit I didn't even know that 330 a.m. was a thing anymore. I thought they had canceled that that we just sort yeah. of you know from midnight until from like one until six there was nothing. It was like a vacuum and then but apparently it's still a thing
0: it's really a it's a it's a wonderful world because there's nothing going on, and you're just you're out there by yourself and driving to work and coming in and I don't know, I do kind of enjoy it like every time the alarm goes off, you're just like, what am I doing? But then you get up and Adam and like, and then you feel, I've always been a guy and this goes back to even my parents say now, like you're in, they say that I'm in the perfect job. Cause I was always a, a, um, um, an early riser. Like I just got, I was always easy to get up in the morning compared to my brother who I shared a room with until I was 18. You have to throw water on him to get up in the morning. Right. But I was just somebody that always got up and I was always somebody that just liked to get work out of the way. You know what I mean? like, get it done, and then you have the rest of your day. So I, it, it kind of works out perfectly for for my mo.
1: I, I just we got we got to take a very quick break here, but I am amazed always when I watch you guys or anyone else who does you know anything on, especially in the media where we're, y- there is a requirement that you you can't you can't come on in the morning and go oh crap I just I, I I really wish I was still in bed I <laughs> like the, this is the last <laughs> place in the world I want to be I mean you have to come in and put on the act even if it is an act yeah. that day and I'm always amazed that people can always do that because I would be. I'd be my mouth would be moving but I don't think I'd be convincing at that point. I There's don't think so. There's days
0: like that. There's days like that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yesterday evening after the show after I got off the air, I went up to Dave Andruska Arena, Dave Andruska Mountain Arena. I was working on a piece that I'll be writing sometime next week for the spectator and it was it was there was a hockey game going on there and anyway, after I did some interviews, the arena was empty except for one guy still sitting in the stands and as I walked by him, suddenly he jumps up and screams. This is about 945 jumps up and screams and i thought he was having an episode uh nope turns out that uh he'd been watching the canada world junior game on his computer and they had just scored to win in overtime who knew i i I thought i was about to be attacked uh tim bolan is with us tim i know was watching because he was talking about uh, this on uh morning live on chch this morning uh as the co-host there uh tim first of all you did you stay up to watch or did you just find out in the morning because can you stay up to watch something like that yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's
0: a tough one because, I, for one, I did stay up and watch sort of because the 6.30 start is always nice for somebody that wakes up with a crack of stupid because it means it's going to be done earlier so that I kind of arrange things around to make sure that I watch it. But I have a TV in the bedroom, so then it's on in the bedroom, um, falling asleep. So I was watching it, and they were up to nothing. And I'm like, it was in the third period. I'm like, okay, well... I just kind of, I I shut my eyes and I opened my eyes and it was 2-2 and the game was over heading to overtime. So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm in. Um, So then I did watch the overtime, which was thrilling, by the way. Three on three overtime, big fan over here. Uh, So it was just, it was just a really cool atmosphere to be in with uh, Halifax, just loving life and loving, uh, loving the red and white. And it was, it was, it was a really cool, really cool watch.
1: So, the thing that struck me about this is and I agree it was it was and thankfully a nice short overtime Although I do like it when these games go into four overtimes I do find that fascinating sometimes but no, it's 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 either let's make it either quick or let's get it over quickly or, or Let's let it go forever, but it dawned on me as I was watching and then the celebration and everything yesterday Not much said in the wake of all this about Hockey Canada's problems anymore, and I was wondering is this all it took is just having a successful world juniors where we win and we feel good about ourselves and we're champions again is that all it takes to wipe the slate clean and everyone then forgets about all the problems hockey canada's had nope
0: <laughs> yeah i think you have to i think you have to separate the two it's totally separate from hockey canada's issues this is a tournament this is about these however many men or kids under 19 trying to achieve a goal in a a hockey tournament. The other aspect is a massive corporation that runs the sport of hockey in our country that did things improperly. So when you look at that, yes, everybody was cheering on the juniors, which they should because these these young men did some great things and they're very talented at what they do. And we love the sport of hockey, so we should be able to, to cheer for it we we can't brush aside what has happened in the past year with that organization and and the retribution that they need to make and the changes that they need to go they need to do going forward
1: and i agree especially with the part where you say like these the the kids and they're still kids the kids that yeah. were playing had nothing to do with anything that happened in the past that led to all these problems. They were, you know, in middle school or elementary school when these problems were happening. They should not be somehow tied into this whole thing. What they do is separate and so we can cheer for that. However, saying that, this tournament, I mean, there were ads, there was far less advertising. A lot of the ads on the boards were just for Halifax or other things. There were sponsors that were pulling out. There was like it was in inexorably, is that the right word, tied together. You couldn't, for the longest time, escape the Hockey Canada scandal and the World Juniors. They somehow got tied together. It seems like, with the win, they got pulled apart again.
0: Yeah, but even if you go back to, like, remember, they just played in August. That was the other thing. Leading Which was
1: a disaster. Which was a disaster.
0: Nobody was there. Like, Canada did win gold, and and we know former Bulldog Mason McTavish and and that overtime uh, save that he made, and they won in overtime and to beat the Finns and, and win gold. But it was because nobody showed up. And then even coming into Halifax, even coming into this World Juniors, you had the apathy of them just finishing a tournament not that many months ago, and then all the Hockey Canada stuff. And you're just like, oh, like am I interested in this? I, like, I, as, a, as a hockey fan, as a sports fan, as a fan of stories about sports, I had that thought. So I don't even know what a casual fan that would maybe normally watch it throughout the holidays because it's a tradition for people because it's on what they thought. So, but it did change because then, I don't know, you do start following the stories and we also have a phenom on the team. You have a 17 year old kid who's breaking records. That is the future of hockey going forward. A kid by the name of Connor Bedard and a name that we're going to be saying for years to come. So I think he had something to do with it because we need superstars, and he's a superstar. And yeah. he really drove the narrative, I think, for the for the team throughout but, the tournament.
1: But you point out again, so Edmonton was back in August, and, and you know it's really interesting, Mason McTavish, a lot of people around here got to watch him last year with the Bulldogs. What he did, the save, and I, I'm going to say something that some people don't even know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. The save he made in overtime in the gold medal match, gold medal game in August. If that had been now, if that had been yesterday night, That would be a legendary Canadian hockey moment. It was one of those things that was so remarkable that you say that that's one of I think there's a lot of people who have no idea what we're talking about when we say that because they were tuned out in August, the world juniors and hockey Canada's problems were absolutely tied together, which absolutely I think had an impact on nobody paying attention. Hockey Canada had all the stuff going on, had drained people's enthusiasm for this. Unfortunate for the kids, but it was true somehow this one made it different yeah
0: well because i think it this is where it normally is played this is where it's around the christmas break people are off people are on vacation it's always kind of on you know what i mean you're used to watching it it's just like embedded like even my kids like my kids are pretty young but they i don't know if i'm watching a game they're just like who are we cheering for dad what color are we cheering for well we're cheering for the red and white and then there's Jerseys that have been passed down from my nephews, and they're in the house, and my kids are wearing those jerseys last night, and and then even this morning, like because I didn't see my oldest Pippo what I didn't see her this morning because I was already gone. But when I came home from work, she's like, I can't believe they won. You know what I mean? Because like it's just it's it, it on. It's kind of just embedded through through families, I think. Um, and but not not the summer because it's not normally played in the summer.
1: I will so. be interested to see. Uh, now uh, now uh, there's something else that we should point out too. since between then and now Hockey Canada Has had the hearings as, as sort of the the scab or the band-aid I guess has been ripped off They've got new leadership, so you know the old is gone So that obviously has something to do with it But I'll be very interested now to see how much we continue to hear about the Hockey Canada scandal if it re-emerges not I'm not saying if it happens again, hopefully You know, touch wood, touch veneer in here. Uh, It never happens again. But uh, I'll be interested to see if if it rises up again, or if this has, if this has cleansed the palate for people, and we can just get back to it being about hockey as opposed to all that other stuff.
0: Unfortunately, we're going to be hearing what happened in London back in two thousand and eight. That's that's coming.
1: That that will that that, that will that
0: will come, and so then hockey Canada does get involved in that again. Their name will get back into it. But for this short little period of time, again, I think as we said, we can separate the Hockey Canada, the organization, from what those kids did the past
1: few weeks. But see, I think that if, when that story, and again, if people don't know, go look it up. We don't have time to talk about the whole thing. But there was a horrible thing that happened, uh, allegations of horrible things that happened in London after a World Junior Tournament. If that comes up again, and I suspect you're right that it will I think what may happen is we may find out individual names of people who may have been involved which may take Hockey Canada out of it and put all the onus then on them. They may Hockey Canada may may have already faced the worst of what they're going to face cuz now it's going to be if it happens on the individual young men who did bad things if they did. Yeah. Yeah, you might right there.
0: we'll see. You're listening to the Scott Radley show
1: podcast on 900 CHML. In December in Alberta. The Alberta Sovereignty Within a Canada Act was passed, received royal assent. Uh, The Saskatchewan First Act recently passed. Both of those are moves to give those provinces a little more oomph, whether they legally hold or not. They certainly say something about the feelings in those provinces and the dissatisfaction with our federal situation. Uh, Quebec, I mean, Quebec's always doing something that is... Pushing the limits, whether it's French language rules that we don't do anywhere else, or whether it's the uh, religious uh, symbols or the hijab or whatever, there's always something going on. In BC, we've had things where uh, people have been saying that federal moves and even provincial rules to build pipelines or whatever aren't going to be allowed. They're going to protest. It's not going to happen. I want to bring Tim Boland back in. He's the host, of course, of uh, CHCH Morning Live. Tim. We have had a country that has worked as a country and worked as an idea for over a century and a half and, you know, done pretty darn well, honestly, for the size of the population. We've punched above our weight and it's been a beautiful idea. But you start hearing about stuff like this and dissatisfaction with the way things are going and and moves to make things a little less together. Do you see long term? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about next week. Do you see a chance that down the road, Canada has a hard time remaining Canada? Well, as we were
0: just talking about before, the juniors won gold, so all is good in, across Canada. Everybody is getting along now. For today. Yeah, right. Um, it worries me as a father. Um, I, I go back to, I remember 1995. I was uh, in high school, and the Quebec referendum yep. happened. Yep. And, like, how close that was? I didn't. I, I went to look it up. Like how close it was, like the yes and no of like leaving Canada, and was it f- was like forty nine to 50%, yeah, you know fifty percent. Yeah, fifty point two like it, or
1: something, right? I think.
0: Yeah, like it was. Just, it was just. It was crazy how close it was, and and you just think if what if it was like a couple points more, where would we be as a country if Quebec wasn't part of Canada? I I can just never like I can never see it not being Canada. You look. You look to the. The South and what's going on down there, and how much that influences us here, like and and is is some of what's going on across our country being driven by the disregard for each other and the pull and push of the Republicans and Democrats down there, and Uh, and what that does for us up here.
1: I think almost certainly. I I think almost certainly, but I also think that you have whether it's that or whether it's that whether it's an individual thing i mean we have it today and some may disagree with me but today for the last generation i would say we have been much more about you are special you should be, you know do it you can do whatever you want to do we've we've told our kids it's not the kids fault we've told our kids you can be whatever you want to be do whatever you want to do it's all about you is it any surprise then That if a government comes in whatever government of whatever stripe and you don't agree with them that you would maybe see a bunch of people saying well, I don't like that. They don't support me. They don't represent me. They're not my government. He's not my prime minister. She's not my prime minister that to me. That's that's where part of the problem lies is we have spent years now not working for the common good. It's all about the individual. And if it's all about you, Tim, well, if you don't like it, then why should you have to follow what you don't like? Okay, so what about,
0: let's step back, like political, politically, this is all politically driven. Yep. Okay, because there is, there is the, the liberals have been in power for a long period of time, and that, that the, a lot of people out west specifically do not like that. In the next election, whenever that is, if things do change and another, another party does get into power, let's say the conservatives... How does that change things across our country? I
1: don't think it does. I don't if think it, it does. It No.
0: Alberta, Saskatchewan, they're okay? Well, because here's... They
1: still want to leave? Be, well, they may not want to, but look, when, when Stephen Harper was in power, there were those who were not Conservatives who hated Stephen Harper and were talking about, well, you know what, we, we can't abide this. He's a dictator. He's a whatever. So then Trudeau gets in and now people are saying, I can't abide him. I hate him. Even if all of a sudden Alberta and Saskatchewan are appeased because a Conservative government gets in, now Ontario, Quebec, and maybe the maritimes are all bent out of shape i don't see that there's a uh i I don't see in the future i don't see a leader i don't see the person who suddenly everyone rallies around and we all say you know i'm okay with that person i don't see that person out there
0: yeah yeah like okay so does this continue does this splinter continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger
1: I think so. Well, I would say so. And, and I mean, look, again, part of the reason why Alberta, for example, is so mad right now is you've got a liberal government and it's it's it, it could be whatever, but it's a, in this particular case, a liberal government and a lot of what they're doing with their environmental thing they're pushing through is frankly destroying a lot of Alberta's oil and gas economy, which they've relied so heavily upon. So they feel entirely put out. But if the federal government were to say, okay, we're not going to do this, well, then all the people who support the environmental causes more are going to be bent out of shape. How do you resolve something like that? Well, because
0: we know the way the the world is going. It it is away from oil and gas. That's just the way things are going. And and I I don't know, like, that's that's where I'm not an Albertan. I I have relatives in Alberta uh, that do have ideals that do align with that. Um, but I don't know. I just saw them at a family Christmas, and it's we still get along. You know, even if you do have different ideals, I, I don't think them... Because the other thing is, too, logistically, how could how could they leave Canada?
1: Well, see, logistically, it, yeah. I mean, it becomes really they difficult. Be their own,
0: how, how can they be their own country? And that goes back to 95 when Quebec was going to leave. How could they survive? How could Quebec... If Quebec left in 95, what kind of what kind of nation would they be today 30 years 30 years later it's a terrific no question is.
1: they would do very very well at providing goalies to the nhl um and uh and, and and protests in New York outside Rolling Stone magazine for their singers, um. But no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, there was always this question about okay, so if they now had to provide their own military, their own mint, their own postal service, their own uh, unemployment insurance, their own uh, CPP or QPP, whatever, all these things, if they had to do all of that, could they? And I don't. I don't know the answer, I'm doubtful, but I I don't know, did we ever, did somebody who's older maybe can tell me this, did they ever really establish that that was even doable or was it just the idea that we're going to break away and we'll figure it out later?
0: So what's the idea of, of Alberta and Saskatchewan? Is it just like, is it... That's, I want to be sensitive with my lingo here too. Is it is it having a bit of a temper tantrum that people aren't paying enough attention to what they're what they want?
1: I think it's a, a broad feeling that those in Alberta, or those in Ottawa, and keep in mind there was not a single. I don't believe even in the most recent election. I don't believe there's a single Liberal. Maybe there's one in Alberta. Maybe one in Saskatchewan. But I think there's a, a feeling that the people in Ottawa they don't care uh pierre trudeau justin's father had problems with that part of the country because it was a sense that he really couldn't care less and i i think they feel whether you want to call it a temper tantrum i think they feel like the federal government is running a country in which they are a part but they don't really get to have much of a say in anything
0: yeah so that's where i was getting back to like if another party comes into place and maybe uh, i don't know gives their ideals a little bit more leeway they start to to come around but then again there, as you said there would be other people that are upset i in the in the future i never see a canada that is not all provinces and territories put together you, yeah, well, that was the original yeah. that was the original question that you asked me do i see that i don't see how how that could actually logistically happen
1: i don't either now, i don't either but
0: it it does worry me about I don't know. As as Canadians, we get along, right? But there is a country just to the south of us that don't get along, and and, and we, anything that happens down there, we see everything. I don't know. I'm just I, I'm watching NBC News now, and what's going on, even with the uh, the Speaker of the House, and not then not even agreeing on that to get like all of that done. Uh, we, we anything that they do, we see, and then. It, 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 it filters
1: into into us here. We, we got to take a very quick break. I, I really do think, and you I'm glad you brought up the referendum because I really do think that one of the issues, uh, Quebec, certainly I think in a lot of ways, has its own has a right to claim that it's a unique society or distinct society, whatever they want to call themselves. But when a government allows Quebec to get away with some stuff if you want to use that terminology, I think you open the door to other provinces eventually. It was inevitable that eventually some other ones are going to say, wait a second, if they get, uh, you know, extra money from, you know, the the revenue sharing or whatever you call it, and and they get this and they can do this. Eventually, you knew it may have taken 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. Other other provinces were eventually going to say, well, wait a second. Why don't we get to do that then within the within the government, within the country? And here we are. And let's
0: see their game plan of them starting their own country, though, and what that, how they are able to do that is impossible.
1: Are you a technology guy?
0: No. like I'm just like a guy that has my stuff, but not, I need help with things.
1: Do you love technology, or do you abide it and use it because everybody has to these days?
0: Yeah, I, I go the latter on that, I think. Um, I think I use it too much, specifically social media. Like, it's just like it's part of me too much where I have to be putting it down. Uh, I should be putting it down more. Um, I was just, yeah, like I was just in the break there. I'm just kind of going through like scanning through like Instagram and just <laughs> trying to figure out certain things and what kids are doing. And, and, and that like, with the tech like how, how deep into technology are we
1: talking here? Well that's that, that, that's a great question thank you for that. It's a perfect segue to what I wanted to mention. So there are researchers at the Georgia Tech Research Institute who have now created a um, well it's a device that I they're hoping people will use in their toilets. Uh, it's called the diarrhea detector and with 98% accuracy accuracy it can determine if you're having a little bit of an upset stomach. <laughs> Now, they're saying, we want to put this on toilets everywhere so we can tell if there's a cholera outbreak because everyone's all of a sudden sick. I'm thinking, I don't know that here in Hamilton, Ontario, I need to be keeping up too much on the cholera problems of the world to have something like this. But I I got all I got thinking with this is, I don't know how much more I really want technology invading into my life. Like, we- especially this.
0: Do we need the toilet to tell us when we have the, the big D? Like, don't we know, like, pretty well?
1: Well, I, th- I would uh, hope uh, so. Time, so. I would I hope know. so. Like, I'm pretty, I'm, I don't know, we spent a lot of time on there. I would <laughs> hope that you would like, know. It, when it comes out
0: different ways, you're just like, you kind of know that that's <laughs> that, that. That you might have something. I <laughs> mean. When you, might need, when you might need to drink some more water.
1: You would know, the, the problem here is, do I want scientists at some research institute tracking right. my movements going, oh, Radley's having a problem today. Like I, I, This is the kind of technology where I'm thinking, I, I think we're now moving into areas where we could reassign scientists into more important things than tracking our movements.
0: Well, listen, there is a consumer electronics show is happening this weekend in Vegas. The past two days, we've had people on, Katrina Gentili talking about automotive and tech expert Mark Saltzman was on this morning from from CEF, and like each and every year, it's like nerds coming together, and nerds (laughs) like creating things that we don't need,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we've already got Alexa, and we've got uh, Google Mini and stuff in our homes that I'm pretty sure are listening to us, even though they swear that they're not. I just don't know that I need a listening device in the bathroom. No. Ever, for any reason.
0: There was something else that we did actually talk about today on the show that there is a device that will like, oh, I forget what it's called, that will write essays. It's being banned in New York right now, New York City, because if you give it a topic, it will write you the essay for you. Did you hear about this? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I have. Well, I'm not this specific one. I've heard of these, and I I heard someone on a – I, oh, I was listening to the Conan O'Brien podcast the other day. Uh, he does a great podcast. And he had had a review of, I think, his show. No, he had a review of his book that was done by AI, uh, an, uh, like an artificial intelligence writer. And it was hilarious because it, had, it didn't understand that he was an individual person rather than a team. And there were all these other issues. Um, I, I, again, I is it not better, and I mean, I know I'm biased in this case, but is it not better to have human input with writing and things like that with creative enterprises?
0: Yeah, it's called it's called New York City uh, New York City bans this AI chat box that writes essays because how do you do that? So even in the newsroom, we've been kind of like testing it out to write stories <laughs> just to see how close it don't worry, we're still writing the stories, but to test it out to, and like, you, it, it is similar like it can put things together that you could you could hand in as your own. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I, I know.
1: heard Tim. I heard from a, years ago there was a newspaper. I heard this story it was a famous story that um, uh, they were testing this machine because they wanted to make sure that words that were that they didn't necessarily want to use. They wanted the politically correct words, so it would it would filter out the words that it wasn't supposed to use to make sure they didn't slip in and they didn't get in trouble. Problem is. That human impact really has makes a difference, and so a story ended up saying that you know Tim Boland Enterprises finished the uh, 2022 fiscal year in the African American because the word black was supposed to be changed to African American, but they didn't think of another reason why. So, and you're looking going really, really, or there was another one where there was a a sprinter named Tyson Gay, uh, an American sprinter named Tyson Gay, who his name ended up being at the time Tyson homosexual. Oh and it was like, goodness. really, wow. you, yeah. if you just have artificial intelligence and nobody to oversee it, you end up with problems, inevitably, yeah. inevitably.
0: Yeah, it's called Chad GPT, if anybody wants to look it up. Um,
1: yeah, although, you know, I guarantee you that some there will be some students, and I probably w- would have been one of them once upon a time. and would have gone, great, great, I'll go play road hockey. Give me the give me the thing written for me. I'll, I'll go out and I'll play for a while.
0: Cole's notes? Do you have Cole's notes? Did you ever use those?
1: Absolutely use those Cole's those notes.
0: Those, those were the big no no, right? You still had to read it though, but it was like, oh, wasn't it great for Shakespeare? It <laughs> was Juliet? It was half the length.
1: It was half the length. It was way clearer, and, uh, and you just had to be careful when you wrote your essays. You didn't pinch too many of the paragraphs from it.
0: Oh, goodness. They got passed around. Oh, my goodness. I never, I never. It got passed by my right by my desk. Now keep that moving. Uh, uh-uh,
1: uh. None of that for me. No, I'm way too. <laughs> what the integrity level was way too high at the bowling desk.
0: <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Tim, the rumor that was going around was that every morning, by the time the show was done, all the air had been let out of Bob's tires, and it, and the, you know there were suspicions <laughs> that it was you just sending a message. Not true. <laughs> not true. No,
0: not true. Yeah, not true. But it is, yeah, they, now, now there's the pumping of my tires. So pump my tires for the next hour, Scott Radley.
1: Uh, hey, by the way, speaking of pumping tires, I don't know if that's a good definition. I just this. We're not going to talk about this so much, but this is just amazing to me. I just checked this during the break. The GoFundMe account for Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player who collapsed last Monday night, and everyone knows he had a a foundation that was trying to raise $2,500 to give kids uh, gifts, kids who don't have Christmas uh, gifts at Christmas. The account that GoFundMe has just today gone past $8 million, 236,000 different donors have given it. That's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, and,
0: and it's going to be interesting to what they do with it because, like, how many, you don't want, I don't know, it was a Christmas thing to buy toys for kids for Christmas. So you're not going to buy $8 million worth of toys. So hopefully they can use that money for good. But that just goes to show, like, Bill's Mafia. And because you felt so helpless watching that. And I know you've talked about it this week, and we've talked about it on our show, too. To, because it's been the topic of discussion all week. But you just feel so helpless where you just want to do something tangible. And specifically with Bill's Mafia, and we know Bill's Mafia is all around here too, you you just need to do something tangible to feel that you're helping the situation. And Uh, and we're just showing the outpouring of support.
1: What I'm about to say is not a unique thought. I heard this from someone, but I thought this was the coolest idea ever, and I really hope the Bills do this on Sunday because they're playing at home on Sunday. Uh, Before, for people who don't know, before every game, a PA announcer either introduces the home team's offense or they introduce the home team's defense. And the players will come running out and go, you know, quarterback, Josh Allen, everyone goes crazy. And someone suggests, you know what they should do? They should do neither. They should introduce the Buffalo Bills medical staff. Oh
0: yeah.
1: And I thought that would be the coolest thing ever to do. Whenever would you get a chance to do this again and nobody would look at that and go, "Oh, that's stupid. That's patronizing." That it would be huge if they did that. I would love it if they did that. We'll see if they Yeah. come up with some cool stuff because now that, you know, he's doing better and he was talking to the team apparently today by FaceTime like it's it's all positive. Now you can now you can do these kinds of things and it doesn't seem tacky or Schmarmy or whatever else. Like, you can get away with it. You can not get away with it. You can do it, and it's a good thing. Yeah.
0: I I know we we haven't talked about it. I know we have other things to talk about, but, like, what was your experience like for it, watching it? Uh,
1: I, I, honestly, I I thought I was watching a guy die on the field. I really did. I did not think, I did not expect that we'd be talking about him recovering today. I really didn't. I thought, and he did die on the field. Apparently, he died twice and once in the hospital. They had to revive him. But I'm talking, like, I thought that at this time, We'd be having a conversation about his organs being donated. Honestly, it's bleak, but that's what I was fully expecting. So this is very good news.
0: But it goes back to the medical staff and and what what they're like. They have to be ready for these situations. You know what I mean? Like it's never like to, normally it's a, I don't know a torn ACL or obviously concussions. That's something that you're seeing a lot in the NFL. But to to being to be able to resuscitate somebody on the field and put in that situation just just unbelievable.
1: It really is it really is and uh you know it's we're, we're fortunate around here because the doctors who do all the teams in this city uh whether it's the bulldogs or the Ty cats or mcmaster or whatever um on, honestly some of the very best anywhere david levy we had him on earlier this week and david robinson and chris puskus who you know is a trainer for uh, for mac and other places i mean It's if you are an athlete who plays on a team around here, you can be confident that you have among the very, very best anywhere, which is good because that that can't be. I I don't believe truly uh, this is NFL. So probably every team, every team's medical staff would have certainly had the ability to do this. But I believe there's an awful lot of places in an awful lot of leagues and an awful lot of levels of sports, probably most of them where this would not have had a good ending. Mm-hmm. because they just yeah. you can't expect that that level of, of medical expertise is at every single game at every single level it's impossible
0: and, and and needing to and needing to act in a split second to make sure that that is possible is, of course. Uh, is unreal yeah.
1: and recognizing it and knowing what to do in that moment and all those all those kind of things that um you know I, I think I said this on the show earlier this week but there was a Um, one of the most gruesome, horrendous injuries ever in sports, and not to remind everybody, but was when Clint Malarchuk, who was a goalie for the Buffalo Sabres, had his throat slit by a skate back in 89. And at the time, the story was, and I don't even know if this is true, but it was passed around, that the Buffalo Sabres trainer was a former Vietnam medic, and he apparently was the only guy in the NHL who was Really able who would have known what to do in that moment at that time now all of them are trained now to do it But he was the only one Malarchuk happened to have the one guy that was used to battlefield injuries like horrendous things and was able to help him But you might have had a death there. I mean, it's just it's amazing to me that we don't see more of these things in sports period
0: Didn't you just have a story about something like this?
1: Yeah, no, there's a, 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 well, not a kid anymore, but back in 1975, a guy in Toronto by the name of Kim Crouch was a goalie for the Markham Waxers and had his throat cut. And he was really the first one. And he, I was talking to him, June, January the 5th is the anniversary of it, so yesterday, and uh, his trainer saved his life. But he is really worried when he looks at, players now in the NHL or world juniors or whatever, some of them wear neck guards, not in the NHL mostly, but, but even then they're like little things. And he says, you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen again. Someone else is going to have their neck slip because people aren't taking this seriously and wearing proper neck protection. And you want to know something? It happened in the States yesterday. There was a guy, I think it was a, a, an army hockey game or something. I think it was army. Anyway, there was a guy who's lived, but was in that exact thing. The day that he talked about it, and I, I don't I don't know why people don't take it more seriously with the speed of the game and the sharpness of skates and everything now, but they don't they don't.
0: I, I was you was, bring that up the juniors last night they were neck guards because I remember when they were celebrating and uh, Dylan Gunther who scored the goal had to take off his neck guard to celebrate. Yeah, they, they do. Them, they have to wear them, junior.
1: But look at some of them. Some of them are well protected, and others, it's barely like most of their neck is still exposed, based on how they wear them and everything else. And so it's uh, anyway. It was it was an interesting one. I just we'll move off of that because it's kind of just sports injury is just a bleak thing, especially these days. But the good news is, as I say, that not only the guy from Buffalo is that uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin is back healthy again, but. Um, Eight million dollars. That's 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 remarkable. Yeah.
0: Can I say um, the guy's name? Can I say the name quickly? He yeah, assistant athletic trainer uh, Denny Kellington is being lauded in administering CPR to Hamlin on Monday and was absolutely vital in saving his life. So I, I'm sure he'll be honored on Sunday. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. No, no, for sure he will. I mean, and, and well, I hope. I mean. Th- the Bills are good at this kind of thing. All of the NFL teams are pretty good at, at at figuring out the the right thing to do. I, the other thing that someone suggested was Marv Levy, the old coach of the Bills, used to have a poem that he would read once in a while, and it was about I'm just gonna you know I'm I'm injured, but I can't remember the exact words. Someone will know it better than me. I'm just gonna lay here and bleed a while, but keep fighting. And they said you got to have Marv Levy come out and read that poem. After this, yeah. I mean, you know, these are these are these are really cool things that can be done now that things are. Um, Things are working okay. Uh, hey, listen, we, one of the other stories this week, and, and we did talk about this on the show uh, a few days ago, but I wanted to bring this up because one of the other stories that has dominated discussion this week is the ongoing endless, endless, endless array of complaints and whinings and whatever from um, uh, Prince Harry or Duke Harry, I guess, whatever is, whatever his title is now. And I just want to ask you about this. You mentioned your family last hour and your kids and everything else. Are are you comfortable, regardless of how famous someone is, regardless of how wealthy someone is, regardless of all that stuff, are you comfortable with anybody taking family squabbles and making them public and making money off them?
0: No. And that's my whole issue with print, this whole Prince Harry stuff. Is, and it comes down to brothers, and I mentioned earlier, I have a brother. I grew up with my brother in the same room for 18 years until I moved out of the house. And the relationship that I have with my brother to this day, right, is a, is a special bond. And they have a special bond. The two of them, or you, you thought they did, Harry and um, William, and and, and and William, and just with what they've been through, and their and their mom dying, and 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 going through all of that so the bond they have and then what how this is this is affecting their relationship that's what i really bothers me through this whole
1: what was the age difference from you and series. your brother
0: so he is um Matt is four years younger, in school years younger than me.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. At some point, you guys shared a bedroom. Uh, you were, that meant you were in close quarters a lot. I'm guessing that at some point along the way, you may have once, maybe twice in your life, disagreed on something. And um, was there ever a time when you wrestled, fought, pushed, shoved, had any kind of physical confrontation like most brothers do?
0: There's a famous well, this is was said like multiple, multiple times, and we still say it to my mom because we would be fighting all the time, like, like really, like getting it, like fist fighting. Because I was the older brother and I was always the bigger brother, and then he got bigger than me, so then that, that was an issue there. <laughs> and she would always say we'd be just roughhousing in the house and knocking things over. She's like, I don't care if you kill each other, just take it outside.
1: Don't break my stuff.
0: <laughs> take it outside so that was the thing so they would just be taken outside so yes many many altercations of
1: uh yes. Yeah. i, I just i can't tim i can't imagine there are two brothers in the world anywhere who have not had a confrontation a fight a whatever at some point in their life how that suddenly becomes something to show that the other person is i don't know a bully or I'm not even. I'm not even sure. One of the one of the things that's coming out in his book is that Prince William apparently one time pushed Harry down to the ground and he fell on a dog dish and and you know broke it. And I'm like, wait, that that's the extent of your fighting? You got pushed and fell on a dog dish? Like talk, talk to some brothers around the country who around the world who love each other but you know knocked each other's teeth out. I mean, that I, I and they don't go write a book about it. I just it. it Frankly, I said it the other day that I was bored with him, but I'm also disgusted with him. It just, it seems so dirty. It's dirty pool to do this to your brother. It
0: does. It does bother me too. Do you have a brother?
1: I have a sister. And look, we fought and now I did knock my sister's teeth out. That I will say though, in my defense was accidental. (laughs) That was accidental. I was. I did.
0: I read her book about it. Yeah, I
1: don't know if it was. I was. She. I was running from my room across the hall upstairs and running into my parents' room and diving onto their bed. I was probably. I was six. I think. And I didn't see on like number dive number seven. I didn't see my sister walk right in front of me as I was about to dive, and I dove. It was like a dive tackle and knocked her mouth onto the wooden baseboard and knocked her teeth out unintentional although heaven knows i had to answer for that one for years but um but but there are look i i I know people who they were siblings who did damage each other but they love each other and they wouldn't do this
0: So, so obviously the book is coming out on tuesday he's done 60 minutes here he is on on sunday and talking about this with anderson cooper and and people are going to buy the book. People are going to watch that. And the, the, I don't care about any of that. I care about the relationship between the two of them. Not knowing them at all, but knowing that I have a brother, and I love my brother, and the relationship that I have with my brother, and anything, I would never want anything to come between the two of us. So that's what I compare both of them just with me having a brother.
1: And, and I agree with you, but making it even filthier for me is that you would then turn this into a money making venture that, that, that's, that's where this thing goes from just being distasteful to being really, um, ugly because now, and, and you know, when he says, Oh, I'd love to have my brother back. I'd love to have my father back. When you have written a book and done all these interviews telling secrets outside your family's, the room you are in, how in the world can they ever trust you to say anything honest again? Without fear, you're going to go out and tell everybody.
0: And what's going to happen here is there's going to be Team William and Team Harry. There That's already is created, right? But who is who is on Team Harry? Is there a team like who who is supporting Harry through this? Because who would get on?
1: Team a bunch like of that? people on social media who seem to believe everything that they've said about how victimized they've been, which they I don't believe Williams. any of it, but nonetheless,
0: what what they say is they want to get their story out. Because anything that came out a lot of the time it was leaked out through the press which is connected to the palace and, and 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 the crown and all of that so they want to be able to tell they want to control the narrative is what they're saying through all
1: uh-huh this, which is, sure yeah sure right sir sure. so you're gonna um, you're gonna destroy your brother or try to mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing the, the, what showed me in the last couple of days how truly unintelligent and that's really where I think this comes to, Harry is, is that in his book, apparently he talks in rather blunt terms about how he killed 25 Talibans. Uh, you don't think that there are people who support the Taliban who would now say, ah, there's there's a good target to get even with for taking out some of our people. This whole thing was apparently about protecting his family, and now you've exposed your family. How, wouldn't it be an ideal thing to do something to his kids or his wife, or him for what he did. I mean, it just, the whole thing is so nonsensical and poorly thought out and stupid that I just, I can't even believe it.
0: Going back to, I'm not a royal, I'm a historian, but like King George and like his brother, you know, when he took the throne because his brother married Spencer, and then, do you know any of this, all this? History. Well, I, I, I know
1: loosely I know of it yes where he abdicated the throne and then went off to abdicated get married the yeah. and they went off to get married
0: but like I don't think they like I don't know the relationship I guess I got to do a bit of a deep dive on the relationship that was created or like was torn apart after that happened because I don't know I was even talking with Annette just off camera this week about it because like they never really talked even until like they died um, but I don't think they
1: tried just, to destroy each other they just sort of no. went their own way
0: Yeah, went their own way because they just had different paths in life, and that's where I thought kind of this was going. You know what I mean? Perry wants to leave; maybe doesn't want to be associated as a royal. That's fine; you can decide that. But then, why are you going back? And
1: then, yeah, it's just it is just. Some people have found an old map. Now, this sounds almost like Goonies stuff, but anyway, they found an old map that's believed to mark a spot in the Netherlands where a bunch of Nazi soldiers hid all kinds of treasure, potentially millions of dollars worth of stuff. So Tim Boland, I'm I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong here, but if you were to come across a historic artifact worth a lot of money, potentially, with great historic significance, but it happened to belong to the Nazis or a mass murderer or someone wildly infamous or... evil or beyond, but it has historic significance, but it's also got that other side. Would you keep it? Mm. Are we live on the air right now? <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard one.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I'm just actually did a little digging on this story, uh, pun intended. Um, would I keep Yes, I would want to keep it.
1: I mean, I look. I I remember all the stories. If you ever watch Band of Brothers, which was an amazing miniseries, yeah. um, all the soldiers back in World War II, when they when a German would be killed, they would often take his Luger. They would take the the gun as as a souvenir. Nowadays, if you were to say, "I've just found myself a a Nazi a Nazi pistol," I I don't know if people today would see that the same way that it's a piece of history that you've. Got? They would probably think you're a nut job.
0: They, oh, that you should do what with it? I don't know. What should you, What should you do with it?
1: Give it to a museum or just dispose of it? it get it? Get it, throw it out and melt it down? I don't know.
0: Yeah, see, like it is. A, it is obviously a piece of history. Um, this is like, yeah, this is millions of dollars that has been in the ground somewhere for seventy years. <laughs> That people from all over the world are trying to with their metal detectors. Yeah, it's like everybody everybody has moved from the beaches of Florida <laughs> to the Netherlands with their metal detectors, looking for looking for all this season. Nazi yeah, goals. season
1: three of BBC's The Detectorists is going to take place in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I just I remember Marge Schott. Do you remember Marge Schott? She was one time the owner of the Cincinnati the Reds. Reds. And she got in all kinds of p- trouble because she had an authentic swastika Nazi flag in her home that was a, that people would say, well, she's obviously a Nazi and other people would say, no, it was just a flag. It was a piece of history. Now, part of it would, I suppose, have something to do with how it was displayed and that kind of thing. But nonetheless, I mean, there are, there are things that could be historic artifacts that would also carry great bad mojo with them or, or evil with them or whatever else. I, I, it's, it's a really interesting one to try and figure out if you found something, if you found, if you found Charles Manson's whatever, would you keep it?
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's different. Like, so this is jewel. Like this is like, I guess, Nazi jewelry. That's what they're saying. So yeah. Are you, I don't know. Are you somebody like with, with, are you a bad omen guy? Like if you do something that it puts something on you, I'm always the guy I would like, everybody's like, when do you win the lottery? I'm just like, I wouldn't want to win the lottery. Don't give me money. I don't want to win because if if I win the lottery, you have people knocking on your door mm. for the rest of your life, looking for a handout from that money that you won because it's not your money. You didn't earn that money. You won that money. So I think, I think, Winning the lottery, it could be the worst thing that could ever happen.
1: For some people, it is.
0: Yeah. For some, some people, people it stories is. stories of all these people that if you win the lottery, that it changes your life to the bad.
1: Yeah, I, I, I this one, because, I mean, yes, it, it says that a lot of what's apparently buried will be jewelry or treasures or things like that, but I, I think it's a very reasonable, if this exists, and we don't even know, but if this exists it wouldn't be unrealistic to imagine that there could be things in there that are artifacts, that are Nazi-related artifacts. And I just... Uh, you know what? I Once upon a time, it would have been okay. Now I think you would be... I think you would be looked at, really looked down at, if you were to keep it, as opposed to giving it to a museum or burning it or something.
0: It also says the own Like, the owner of this town where it is, it's like they're keeping an eye on all these people that are looking for this. And, like... If somebody does find something, they're just not leaving town
1: with
0: it. Well, (laughs) they have to report it to them because it's not really leaving town.
1: Well, it's probably stolen, too, which is a whole other issue, Um, you know, because you'll have people who will then claim that their relatives, their their ancestors had this stolen from them. And it's really theirs, which, you know, that's a that's an interesting case, too. I don't know. I I am. I, I, I love history. It just makes it really complicated. It's 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 great to have history when the person is really popular. If you find, you know, Paul McCartney's original guitar that he wrote Let It Be On. It's like, well, sure, who I mean, if if he sold it somewhere and I could find it at a pawn shop, who wouldn't want that? But if you say, Yeah, but I got Adolf Hitler's mustache trimmings, you're 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 a creep, probably yeah. in the eyes of a lot of people, even though there's probably some historic significance to it. Yeah, I can agree with that interesting one the story uh, people should go read it if, you, if you're listening and you, it's a really interesting story uh, there's some very funny video because uh, tim's right the 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 metal detectorists have shown up in the netherlands there's gonna they're, they're gonna have to start putting up like tents and stuff and selling hot dogs and drinks for all these people who are now out in the fields um, yeah the story you can go find the story there.
0: you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml
1: one thing that I know about Tim, that I don't know if everyone else knows about Tim, is that in the past, uh, you have done some acting, correct? You you have you have <laughs> done some work in either theater or TV or whatever. <laughs> yes, I am a failed actor. Thank you, Scott. Well, no, I, and I know this because we have a common friend who I know you've worked with, Dave Lapsley. You've done some acting with him over the years. And that's how I learned that you had this in your past, that you have done that. So it's... Um, yeah. Kind of a cool thing. So my question is, we have now, and I just, every day it seems on uh, on wherever, on the spec or wherever else, we hear stories of some other program, movie, whatever, that is being shot in Hamilton. Do you, are you more likely to watch a movie or a TV show if it's been shot in this city? For sure. Are you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because it's so neat, um... Like it takes away from the show a little bit because you're trying to figure out where the where it is, like what location it's shot at. Um, yeah, I think I think so. Like I think it's it's pretty neat, I and mean, because there's more and more that are that are taking place in in town and just even in the area. I know like St. Catharines is doing a real push too because they're they're trying to get more film and TV into the Niagara area as well.
1: I I'm telling you that I end up watching. A lot of shows now with my—I mean, I always have my phone nearby. We were talking about social media and technology yeah. earlier in the show, but because there are so many times now, knowing how many things are shot in this area, it's sort of front of mind. There are so many times I'm watching something and I'll say, "That looks kind of familiar. I wonder if that was shot here." And I end up, you know, hitting pause and then pecking away on the com- on the phone to try and find out was this movie or this TV show shot here. And, and almost almost every time it was
0: yeah like isn't the way it's so interesting the way we watch things now because i'm the same way where you always have you have one device on and the, but you have the other one handy just to kind of feed that cliff clavin information to you yeah yep because what did we do before we i guess we just didn't know or we just had that smart Alex friend that thought he knew and just made up stuff
1: and he's like, well, I don't know, Cliff is saying it must be true. Yeah, that uh, shot there was done at uh, Kineski's Farms <laughs> there, uh, Timmy. Um, th- th- the thing that we used to be though that we can't, that we can escape now but that used to make us crazy, at least it made me crazy, was when you would see an actor and you could not figure out why you knew that actor. What were they in before? Now it's easy, you just look up IMDB but right? before, before you, it would, you'd be like for days thinking, where do I know that person from? Where do I know that person?
0: It would drive, me, would
1: drive me nuts. That would drive me nuts. Or if I heard a song that I knew that I knew from somewhere, if it was on a commercial, song, where do I know that song from? Uh, thankfully, now we have these devices that save me lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, which I used to do. Like, I, I know I'm goofy, but this way, but I used to like lie there and, th- and it would bug me. It would bug me to death. Why do I know that person? So... Okay, but I'll say
0: this, Scott, I'll say this. Is there, now that we have all of this information in our minds, in our brains, like too much useless information yeah, about that? Yes, 100%. After, is it taking up space for other useless, other more important things that should be in there?
1: Oh, pff, 100%, Tim. If I could get, you said you don't remember lyrics. If I could get rid of song lyrics from my head, I would have thousands of gigabytes of space left for things like solving physics problems or whatever else. I have so much gray matter tied up in stupidity that it's it's no surprise I'm doing this, not being a doctor or something. <laughs> Seriously, I, I if our brains work like computers, most of my hard drive is taken up with stupidity.
0: Okay, so this is I don't know. Let's get into this because is that, is that true though? I wonder. Like if that if you didn't have song lyrics, could you replace it? I don't know. Like were you good in school?
1: Define good in which part of school?
0: <laughs> I was I was okay. Grade eleven, grade, grade eleven
1: physics. Uh, no, uh, Doctor Jivarjeez, who was my teacher, would uh, would happily and vigorously tell you, No, I sucked. I was horrible. I was the bane of his existence. No, I was not. I was good at the other. I was good at stuff around school, but the actual academics. I hope my kids are no. Oh, my kids are through school. It Doesn't matter anymore. No, I wasn't. Yeah, you.
0: So that's the thing. No, neither was that. I. Yeah, really, really, no, really poor. I think I just I took the wrong things in school because like I did take science and like science wasn't. I'm not strong at that. But so then I figured out what you're kind of strong at. And any young people listening, like that's what you kind of you have to kind of try and figure out as you get older. Is you figure out what you're what you're good at, um, and get in, and get into that. But yeah, like I, I don't. I just like reading is something that I really try to. Do more and more of because I have a co-host in that who reads all the time. Now she doesn't have kids; she has cats, so she can she can read as many books as she wants. Because I don't know, <laughs> she's got more time on her hand. More, more time on her hands. But I, I just like, sometimes I do, I need to read more, but I just sometimes I if I want to read, I start reading and then I fall asleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I do. I thought the same thing though. I've I've wondered before. If we have limited, and and there is, I'm sure, some neurosurgeon or neuroscientist who could tell us the answer, but I've wondered before if we do use up space in our brain that if we didn't, if our, and I don't think it's using it up per se, I think we have capacity for, as you say, certain things that we're interested in that stick and other things that we're not interested in don't stick.
0: How's your memory? You
1: have a good memory? Uh again, for for some things, you know, like I, I had someone tell me yesterday or the day before, I was they asked me something or Scott Thompson was talking to me, and I'm able to cite, you know, some sports event that happened in nineteen seventy four. I mean I can tell you who was the starting lineup for the Philadelphia Flyers when they won the nineteen seventy four Stanley Cup. But you asked me something important, like anything important, and I probably don't know it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because my my memory's awful, so I don't. But what else is what else is filling up the space in
1: there? It's a fascinating thing about whether whether you could retrain your brain to get that other stuff. I you know, or or whether you have I I don't know. I I I, it's it's a really interesting one because I think a lot of people have thought that I don't think our brains. Well, I know that our brains don't function quite like computers. I mean, I'm not a complete idiot. I know that it's not there's not a limited capacity. You can learn things, but boy, it does seem like everybody has. Things they can hold on to, and other things they just can't.
0: Yeah, and we have too much useless stuff in there because of the devices that we always need to know everything about everything.
1: Although, you know what, when you're when you're doing a morning show on CHCH and you got a banter, uh, useless information yeah. is good.
0: Yeah, yeah, you do kind of have to. You just like, <laughs> you, get, Phil, Phil, Phil.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Let me so let me tell you a little story about yeah, yeah go into your deep cliff clavin and uh, and pull that stuff out. Uh, you can hear speaking of uh, well not useless information but filling and banter and good banter. Uh, you can see Tim every morning Monday till Friday on CHCH Morning Live. He's on there now as the co-host with Annette. Uh, listen, we I love that you came on. Really appreciate you taking some time to do this tonight.
0: It was uh, it was good fun. Um, now I just have to go and put these kids to bed. <laughs> I was avoiding it. I was avoiding it for two hours. Now it's now it's the time.
1: Now you can just sell them on the idea that it's just a long nap, like you were talking. We love the yeah, naps. Exactly. Just you got to convince the kids that a nap is a good thing. Uh, Tim Bolton, so, thanks for doing this. Thanks, pal. Good uh, talk to you.
0: The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML.